0: Welcome to episode 191 he's here grip and lighting guru extraordinaire and director of photography for taking care town Chad Gilchrist Chad joins Jason and I today to talk about the top five skills every cinematographer needs to develop in order to be successful. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know this week we're starting something really new. We have extra bonus content exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And this week, it's going to be an extended interview with Chad talking about his work on Steven Spielberg's favorite show of the year, The Bear. You don't want to miss this. All right. Now here is episode 191 with Chad Gilchrist.
1: Welcome back to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, joined as always by Christian Taylor.
0: Hi there, Jason. How are you?
1: Good. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Good to see you.
1: And we're also joined by Chad Gilchrist.
0: Woohoo. Hey, Chad.
1: just muted himself as he went to talk instead of the other way.
2: (laughs) Welcome Chad.
1: Some technical difficulties,
2: but thank you for having me. I'm excited
1: to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you here, Chad. Um Christian, do you want to give us a quick background on who Chad is cuz he's been here before. People might know him, just a really quick little like one sentence.
0: Yeah. So uh, first of all, Chad came on documentary first uh, to be our DP for our new documentary, Taking Carenton. And we're going to get into how all that happened as uh, Chad starts to talk about his story. But Jason, why don't you give him his bio or give his bio? It's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, this is actually, I think it might be the longest bio we've had. Um, so I'm, but it's
0: worth know. it. It's worth it. And, <laughs> oh, and no. hey, Chad, Chad, Chad did not write this. I wrote this. I had to put all these exciting things in there because I'm so proud of his resume and honored. Like we are not worthy. So anyway, you you go, Jason. <laughs>
1: So prior to working as a director of photography, Chad spent 10 years cutting his teeth in the grip and lighting departments on large-scale narrative features and episodic television in Chicago, lighting shows and movies such as The Killer by David Fincher, coming to Netflix in November. Uh, *Ironheart* Heart, coming to Netflix in November is not the name of a show. I just want to be clear that <laughs> David Fincher's The Killer is coming to Netflix in November. <laughs> then *Ironheart*, uh, which is Marvel's new upcoming series on Disney+, Plus, which I now have a little um, cozy for that for for a can thanks to chad <laughs> yes. thank you very much chad uh have then we help. have uh <laughs> netflix's upcoming beverly hills cop four and steven spielberg's favorite show of the year shot in chicago the bear which was one of my oh, favorite I shows loved. of yeah, 2022 so oh man did you work on the whole thing chad or just like one episode or all the episodes I, the bear? I did the pilot so
2: oh, wow um yeah it was uh, um, it, was, it was, a challenge, you know, cause it's, it's underfunded. No one knows what it is. No one's excited <laughs> about it. You have limited crew resources and they want to do the biggest stuff in the, the shortest amount of time. So, um, so I did the pilot, I've been getting some asks about the rest of the season from some folks, but, um, I've kind of just been swimming in a, in a different sea, if you will, just been focusing on shooting and not on lighting
1: and, and all hmm. of that. Okay. Well, now I have to finish your bio, but the bear had a really fun, interesting look. Um, I I feel like we could do a whole episode just talking about the bear.
0: Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we we actually talked about (laughs) it on a previous episode shortly after I'd seen it, but it really was tough to figure out, tough to get used to because you just, it was so unexpected and different. And, but after a while, I really grew to love the characters and the way it was shot, I got accustomed to. And yeah, if you haven't seen the bear, go ahead. And now back to Chad's bio.
1: (laughs) So Chad is currently based in Chicago and loves to travel often. Chad Gilchrist has collaborated with directors, brands, and artists all over the world and brings his optimistic, solution-oriented leadership to productions of all sizes. And his most impressive credit of all, he's the DP for our upcoming documentary, Taking Care of Time.
2: Yes. Thank you, Jason. (laughs) And thank you to listeners for just bearing through how long of a a bio that was.
1: (laughs) Well, at least it's not like a bio. It's like, Chad will... Maybe do some things. <laughs> it's yeah, like you've got a bunch of awesome things under your belt, <laughs> and we're really excited to have you here. Yeah. I'm excited and,
0: you know, as we are going to try to keep this uh, tight, uh, we've been making some changes on the podcast, and I hope you'll find them uh, awesome. And, you know, give us feedback, let us know. But we really are trying to streamline things, be more proactive at producing things. And so uh, you'll see a definite outline here that we will put in our show notes. And right now, I just want to tell you what this episode focus is going to be. Uh, we are going to be talking about the top five skills every aspiring cinematographer needs to develop and why those skills are important Uh, so that's what our episode focus is this week Chad I do feel like you have a lot to say um, based on these topics I found you to be a very high-level competent uh, DP for our Taking Carenton shoot I loved working with you I felt like you definitely knew what you were doing and um, you have a great way of teaching people stuff that you have learned, probably the hard way, I'm guessing. So, uh, yeah, why don't you take us into those top yeah. five things? How hard was it to put that list together?
2: Um, definitely, definitely a challenge. Uh, thank you, by the yeah. way, for all those kind words. But yeah, definitely a challenge to kind of try to boil down what are the, what are the five things, and um, you know, you ask. 10 different DPs, they'll give you probably 10 different answers, but I imagine that they'll probably cover two or three of these things, um, across the board. And my first thing is, is just having a strong network, which is how Christian and I really kind of, you know, came to, to know each other is just expanding your network. You know, there's something they say in, in real estate investing, which is your, your net worth is all about your network. And I think it's the same thing for for film too, right? Like you never know when someone's gonna come back into your world, when a project's gonna happen, who you meet and what they do and, and how that'll affect you. And that's certainly not how you should be going into things. You should be going, I think you should be going into things truly to like, you know, build friendships and relationships. And and I think, you know, I'm someone that subscribes to a rising tide. So I like meeting with people just to see how I can be helpful or useful um, in their world. And if it comes back around, great. If it doesn't, that's fine because they're they're doing something and, and I'm happy to help. So that's definitely part of it, I think, is developing a strong network.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that that is your... Yeah, that is interesting that's your top one, because that, I think, would be at the top of my list also. And, um, you know, we would not be sitting here. I wouldn't be sitting here with Jason if Jason hadn't taken, uh, you know, a step early on in his career to kind of volunteer when he was really young, still in high school, uh, just for an unknown film company that Bill Evil and I were working on. And you and I wouldn't be here if um, Sandy Gordon um, hadn't or I don't know who it was. Yeah. So. Uh, Elise Jaffe at Big Teeth, who we've had on our show before, who was doing a documentary, she started listening to our podcast because Sandy Gordon told her to. And then she yeah. told you guys to listen to that. And Sandy Gordon and I met years ago when I was volunteering um, in the Chicago scene just trying to be part of, you know, to meet people. And you are exactly right. I think the key to networking is not seeing what I can get out of it for me. The question is, can I be genuinely curious about other people? Can I be curious about who they are and the story they have to tell and what I can learn from them? And then the second step in that is, how can I help and support what they are doing? And being genuinely curious, caring about how you can benefit others, I think help builds a genuinely strong uh, network. And that's what you did Absolutely. for us. Let's have a meeting, yeah, I mean- see where it goes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just to kind of like, illustrate this point in a in a maybe extreme type of way. But in um, when I was in film school, I was, you know, posting Instagram was new, I was like posting some of my work or some of my stills on Instagram. And I had uh, another DP that I would never met before reach out to me and say, Hey, we really like your lighting work. I see you working on this and that. Would you come on my project and light it for me? And I didn't know who this person was. It was like a random, random message, but I said, Hey, let's do it. Sounds good. Uh, Did that became good friends with, with him. And the director of the project I became good friends with as well. Um, The director of that project, his name is Seth. We did a movie in uh, Lake Como, Italy, like maybe six or seven years later, something crazy. And when we got back, Cause he doesn't live in Chicago. So he goes, Hey, you know, when when we get back right away, I have a project in Chicago. Just come hang out with, with me, grab, grab dinner afterwards and the producers. So I said, okay, I'll come along. One of those producers became my wife. You know, so, oh, wow, you know, and then through my wife, I find out about the podcast, which is how I ended up getting in contact with Christian. So it's kind of, you know, it really is this butterfly effect of you really don't know the, like this, where and when the fruits will be of the seeds that you planted years ago. But it's always important to just keep planting seeds.
0: Yep, and I just want to give some real practical tips. Um, Practical tips about how to build your network. If you are interested in filmmaking, then you need to go where – I always tell my kids, if you're interested in finding a girl, go to the pond where the girls are that you want to meet, the kind you want to meet, right? (laughs) If you're interested in getting a filmmaking (laughs) job, look at your own little network and find out, where should I go fishing? What pond should I fish in? For me in Chicago, it was, you know, women in film. It was uh, acting in film meters, you know, Acting and Filmmakers Meetup Group. Uh, It was the Illinois Production Alliance. It was all of these organizations where I could volunteer and rub elbows with other people interested in what I was interested in. Can you give two or three, either one of you, both of you actually, why don't each of you give two places where networking was a good thing for you to do? Jason.
2: I'll I'll jump in here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Chan already (laughs) started. (laughs) All right. right. Well, you know, for me, I I know you said film festivals and industry events, but, you know, I, I will uh, reemphasize that because all the time there's, there, there are meetups of film technicians and artists, and um, you really don't know where those things are going to go and who is interested in doing what, finding people and, and grabbing coffee. I mean, if, if you are already working on a film set, for instance, go talk to the PAs. Right? Because the PAs are your assistants today. They're gonna be your bosses tomorrow. Don't be mean to them. <laughs> be nice to them. And go and, and and understand that hey, you were at that position once too. Go see what they're interested in and see if you can help them. Or if you can't, see if you can just support them. Cause you really don't know where, where those things are gonna come back around. So I'd say talk to PAs, go to your film festivals, go to the go to the meetups, go to you know, if you're a DP, I bet you that there's a rental house in your network that is hosting some sort of event, whether it's a get to know and understand this camera, or we're going to bring in some sort of brand ambassador, or we're just doing some sort of, you know, a beer at a bar somewhere or whatever to meet up with people, go and do those things because you really don't know who you're going to meet. And those are really great opportunities to, to expand your network and take people out from there. How about you, Jason? Great,
1: great, great. Yeah. I would say um, some of the, best um you know like people way above where i should be talking to um came out of like blindly emailing them and saying hey i'm in town do you have you know 20 minutes to grab coffee and talk and like i don't know if i ever talked about the project um and i'm not actually sure what's going on with it it's kind of in development kind of being pitched kind of whatever but there was a project we did with some like a-list people because we reached out to a producer while we were in town in New York, my creative partner and I were like, Hey, we really want to meet you. We have 20 minutes. We want to talk about this animation software and how we could use it to help you make stuff. And he said, Sure. And we got coffee and we wound up working on a project with like the mayhem guy and a couple of things where it was just like this wild you know, thing that we never, you know, I was 22 when we were working on that project. And it's just like that never would have happened if we didn't just blindly email Or reach out, you know, in a DM or whatever, just like, hey, I know you have no idea who I am, but I would absolutely love to meet you specifically. I'm not just trying to, like, reach out to everybody I know or that sort of thing. Like, that, it's kind of like when people talk about writing a cover letter for, like, a job is, like, apply to that specific place. Don't just write a general cover letter of, here's how great I am, but say, why I want to meet you, why I want to hang out with you. If you want to go way above where you are and meet people that way specifically say why you think that you would be a great fit to have coffee with them or to, to just meet up and have a 20 minute conversation. Cause that will lead you to way better conversations because you've actually researched the person <laughs> instead of just, Hey, yeah. you're a producer. I want to meet a producer. Can mm-hmm. I, can I have lunch with you? I don't even know what a producer does, but if you go, here's why we should have coffee because I have something to offer you. And I think that we would be a good partnership that will always lead you down a better path than, Pretty much anything else. <laughs> beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. And, and
2: just go ahead. Just to add a, a fine tip to that, you know, I think a lot of people that I talk to that, like, ah, you know, I don't want to, but I'm, I'm nervous or I'm scared or, you know, there's there's an assumption there. And just a reminder that the answer is always no if you don't ask. Yep. You know, the worst thing that they can say is no, which is fine. That's the rejection you're already placing on yourself. You know, so go and ask people, just try, you know, can't hurt.
0: And and don't give up. Don't give up. Follow Chad's example. If you haven't heard this story on the podcast before, it took me probably two years to answer his emails, uh, his text (laughs) messages, his Facebook messages. Uh, But now, you know, uh, he would he never gave up and always try different avenues with which to get me. Same with Jeff Kurtnacker, he wouldn't have been the composer for the Girlie War Freedom had he not randomly emailed me and drove four hours to Las Vegas from LA uh, <laughs> to just uh, meet me for dinner. So, all right, that that is number one. All right, now we have to hear number two, Chad. What's your second thing?
2: My second thing is uh, it's about the technical side of things because you know as a dp it's it's art it's also technology and you have to really be on top of that you know um so you have to have a solid understanding of cameras of lighting lenses those types of things how it interacts with other departments is you know even better um and and there's all kinds of places you can learn those things for me i think the the best is to be hands-on and um another thing to keep in mind there is that your equipment doesn't make you. That's a, a big kind of um, stumbling block, I think, for people that are new in the industry. They get really caught up, in, I don't have an Alexa, or I don't have this camera, or, these lights, or what have you. There are movies that have gone to Sundance that have been shot on a GH4, you know, in people's spare time. Um, so there's, you know, it's about telling a story. It's about learning. Uh, how things like your aperture, your focal lens, how these things interact with each other, um, how certain light reflects or bounces off certain certain things, how it creates mood to, to really kind of put you there. So learn those technical skills and then break all the rules. So learn all the rules first so that you can break them later so that, hey, you know, like with Christian, for this documentary, yes, we'd love to go and be like, I'm gonna shoot it on this camera and these like That's everyone and everywhere. That is not filmmaking at all, ever. Almost almost never do you have a blank check, you know? And even on the biggest shows and movies I've worked on, someone is writing a check. They care about the budget. And there is going to be someone that is asking, Do you need that? Do you want it? Right? The biggest stuff I worked on has had some form of that somewhere. Do you really need that techno crane? Does it need to be a techno 60? Can it be 40 feet instead? whatever it is. So, uh, learn the technic- technical skills, but then also remember that it's about how you use them, not about what equipment you have access to. So that's my big number two point, which I'm sure Jason, you probably have some similar, uh, stories there with, with animation too. Just, I mean, with all filmmaking, right. Of, of kind of the balancing between art and technology and what you have access to and what you're trying to put out there.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think creativity with what you have is filmmaking, (laughs) not going, oh, well, if we had this, then it would be great. It's like, no, 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 make it great with what you have. (laughs) That's really what that that's filmmaking. I mean, that's just being a creative. It's just like being creative with the tiny little bit of resources that you have. And hopefully you'll have more next time. But yeah, it's a lot of people get caught up on the, you know, like you said, if only I had this camera or whatever. (laughs) It's like, yeah. I mean, you know, that can help with some things, but it can, you know, it can make your life easier, but it doesn't necessarily, yeah. if, if you don't know how to use it, then what's the point of even having it? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, absolutely I'm curious yeah,
2: with you and your, like your animation and everything. Did you have that experience? Um, just cause you know, I come from a different side of things. Did you have that experience with animation? Was it like, Oh, I can only afford you know, After Effects versus Nuke or whatever kind of <laughs> long your process?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I am um, almost all of what I do now is in Blender, which is a 3D free software, completely free. Like yeah. you can just download it off the Blender website and it has this great foundation behind it and all that sort of stuff. But it it's a free piece of software that you can buy, you know, things to, you know, make it better or add, add additional functionalities. But for the most part, it's a free platform, which is where I do a lot of my work is just in a free thing. And nowadays it feels like there's a free alternative to almost anything. Like even with animation, it's like, okay, 2d animation. Oh, I need Photoshop. It's like, no, you can get like, you know, a thousand different apps on an iPad and (laughs) do the exact same thing and it'll have the same functionality. And so, yeah, I've really, in, in my career, there's never been a major roadblock to animation because like I've always found the medium that works best for me. So like when I was a kid and didn't have a fancy enough computer for any of this stuff, it's like, all right, I'm going to do stop motion. And so it was like, you know, borrowed mom's camera and used Legos and all that sort of stuff and taught myself basically the um, basics of character animation and learning, you know, how things move and how things, you know, start out with slow motion and then they go faster and bigger motions, all that sort of stuff. And I learned all that using legos and a camera when i was 11 and so then when i finally was you know a teenager and i started getting to the point where okay i could actually start to make money with this i could start to do stuff for other people and was able to generate enough revenue that i could buy the um creative suite i think it was uh creative suite number five (laughs) i think was was what i bought from adobe um and yeah, that was like my first foray into paid software. And that was, that was a whole new world. It was just like, I, I was like kid in a candy store. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> but, I'm
2: glad you brought that up because it's a mindset, right? It's like, it's yeah. not saying these are my restrictions. I can't. It's saying those are the restrictions that exist. How can I, which is something that I really love about Christian because we've yeah. done the same thing with this movie and and you can go back and listen, subscribe to this podcast, by the way, if you haven't already, <laughs> if you're just listening to this thing, you need to subscribe to it. Because you can learn so much from other people's journey. And Christian has documented all of it along here. And she's definitely someone that has that mindset of, of okay, those are the obstacles that are, people are, are telling me exist. How can I still do it anyways? And you will you will see that journey happening if you listen to the podcast episode by episode, watching it develop. Okay, that person said no okay, how do we go to this person? How do we get them to say yes, right? Then it's the same thing with the technical side too. It's, it's, okay, these are the things I have access to. How can I do something with them, right? And the thing that's going to stop most people versus others is going out and actually doing it, putting the energy out there.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what Ken Burns said. The first uh, masterclass I watched with him, it's just go out and do it. Uh, And try to figure it out on the fly. One of the best um, examples of that in our world is what happened when we were trying to figure out the translation situation the very first time we filmed in France and we wanted to do live translation and we didn't have the money to buy all of that stuff that we needed to do live translation. And my team figured out how to do it, I think for 60 bucks, you know, and uh, and it worked. And so that was a you know, beautiful example. I think that's a great, great point, Chad. All right, moving on to number three, what's your third tip?
2: Uh, third tip is once you've kind of figured out, like, hey, I can use whatever things I have access to. I've learned some of those technical skills go apply them, right? Continuing on with the just do it, build a portfolio. So, um, you know, it's, it's as you build a portfolio, your skills are inherently going to grow. Your network is going to grow. These things we've talked about earlier, just get built on top of it. So those are the foundations as you keep building your portfolio and try different things, you know, if you might like only short films, try a music video. It might, you might like it. You really don't know. You might learn skills or techniques or things from there. You can learn from anywhere and everyone go and just build, try new things,
0: shoot, shoot, shoot.
2: You know, the the guy, Adam, uh, who shot the pilot of the bear, he's great DP and his, his whole thing was, he said this to my crew, he's like, just go shoot, just go shoot. There was a long time where all these DPs I've worked for that are, you know, name recognizable if you're, you know, a fan of DPs or whatever, every single one of them I've talked to has said, I just went and I shot anything and everything I could didn't matter because I just needed to build a portfolio. And when you do it, you build a network. So that's, that's, that's it for me. It's just building a portfolio. Jason, I'm sure you probably have a similar uh, recommendation, right? With animation or someone's imposed or that, that world.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like, the the first um real commercial thing i did i went to a local restaurant that i knew was owned by you know just a just a guy not like a corporation or anything like that and i said hey can i shoot some sort of promo for your facebook page for you and he goes i don't have any money for that and i said i'm not asking for money i just want to shoot something and you know i was like 16 or so And it was one of the first things I did. And he posted it on his Facebook and said, hey, this, you know, kid just made this for me. If you need something, let me know. And it it led to other stuff. And I wound up working for a thermostat company and (laughs) a bunch of other things, you know, doing freelance stuff with them, um, you know, helping them do motion graphics, explaining how their new thermostats worked and all that sort of stuff. And so it's really, it's it's exactly what you're saying is go do the work, go shoot something, go, you know, if, if... if you want to be an animator, animate. If you want to be a writer, write. If you want to be a shooter, shoot. Like that's, it's it's ER on the end because you have to be doing it. <laughs>
2: you know, <laughs> you, you want that. to be a
1: director, direct. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Christian, How? I mean, I, what do you do when someone doesn't hire you to do that?
0: <laughs> uh, well, you just go do it anyway. I mean, I was just about to say that we all pretty much have a camera in our pocket. So even if you don't have, you know, equipment at all, you can still practice your skills. I remember being fascinated with the light in Normandy and I really have never, you know, shot anything, but I just wanted to capture it and I wanted to learn how to shoot. And so I took out my camera and I asked the DP to kind of show me how to shoot, how to frame things, how to find my light, all of those things with my iPhone. And as you do that, it sort of gives you an eye, particularly after you go back and you look at what you shot and you can think, oh, I should have done this differently or, oh, that was a very good thing. Uh, and so it really is a very, very simple when you say just go do it. Um, you are able to do that and to start with nothing. Same thing with voiceover. People always think, oh, I have to have a studio and I have to have a you thousand know, dollar mic. And the fact is you have a microphone in your phone. So take the newspaper, take a magazine, copy down a commercial and read that and listen back. What does it sound like? So it really is true. And no matter what creative industry you are in, um, that is how you can teach and learn yourself with whatever you have handy. All right, that was a great round robin for number three. What's number four?
2: Uh, four, I it's about communication, essentially, right? Um, there's a lot of time, effort put into learning the technical skills. And this is something I've seen a lot of in my 10 years of doing, you know, union features and, and whatnot, TV shows, is um, you can learn technical skills, and those are really great things to know. and as you are growing those things will be um a skill set for you because the more that you know the more that you can bend the rules and make things fit for whatever project you're in and really elevate it however once you start to get kind of beyond that it's no longer really you setting up the lights and doing all of the things yourself setting up your camera you're going to have a whole team of people so at some point it matters how you manage people. It matters how you communicate. And um, you spend, there's all these people that spend 10, 15 years, whatever it is, learning the technical element of their skill, their skill, the equipment, the cameras, the lighting, the yada, yada. But they don't spend as much time as they did in learning their new tool, which is people, right? People end up Doing the work and you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to empathize, understand, to motivate, to do all those things. So for me, it's about communication. It's a a lot about learning how to work with others.
0: That's excellent, I love that. Uh, simply because we always work with others, right? It, uh, life is a collaborative sport and in this industry that we've chose to be in, yes, you could be a one-man band like Bert and Mary Poppins. However, Bert needed Mary, right? Uh, his life was not complete. And so we can all um, you know, work alone, I'm sure, However, life is much more rich when we're sharing the journey together. And so that does mean we learn need to learn how to have good communication to accomplish an objective. Great point, uh, Chad. So, all right, number five, take us home.
2: Number five, it's about being flexible and adaptable. Um, film is never the thing that you pictured it being, almost ever. I'm sure I'm, I'd love to hear this perspective from you, Jason, as well, doing animation, being able to control your world a little bit more. But, um, you know, it's certainly on, on my side of things. You're on set. Um, that river dried up. You're going to have to go shoot another river or whatever whatever the situation <laughs> is. That, that light broke. That camera doesn't work. We don't have that kind of money. Everything is some sort of give and take. It's a zero-sum game. So the more rigid you are, you might get your way but you might end up kind of causing a larger headache to a colleague in the process. You might get the light you want, but you might've taken a huge amount of budget from production design or whatever. And those are all your colleagues. Those are also people trying to do what you're doing in a different field and you need to work together. You have to be flexible. You have to be adaptable to create a a larger vision because you are just one tiny piece of the puzzle. And I know most DPs don't want to hear that, I know I never want to hear it, but it's true. It's true. So that's for me being flexible and adaptable. Jason, I'd love to hear what it's like with, uh, with animation, what, you know, how that plays
1: in. Yeah. I, um, when I worked as a production manager at a small animation studio, one of the big things I did really ties back into, um, developing a strong network. I would, you know, I was a production manager. We had a couple people on staff. What I would do pretty regularly is I would have, Lunch one-on-one with those people who are under me. And I would say, What do you want to do? Because <laughs> I would learn, you know, hey, this person really likes motion graphics. This person really likes doing um, you know, character, you know, like really fine character work. And so like when we have, you know, a scene that really requires more emotive stuff, it's like, I'm gonna give that stuff to her, or I'm gonna give, you know, okay, you you really like in-made text, we're gonna hand that to you. So for me, a lot of that was being flexible but also honing in on the network of the people i knew who were working with me and going what do you want to do and then me picking up the slack on all right nobody wants to do this other thing i'll do that (laughs) because i like to help people get where they want to go like like you're saying um so the the being flexible thing is also it's the same with, with animation as with a lot of other things. Like, I, one, in one episode we did, we had characters on top of a moving train, and they had this whole conversation, and they were on top of it, and they were talking to this person who was in a coal car. And we had to figure out how do we keep – how do we animate this quickly, that it looks good, and we're not going to spend, you know, weeks making, you know, all these trees going by and making sure that it's looping properly and all that sort of stuff. And so – we put the entire team on R and D for like a a few days of just like research and develop how you would do this. And then we'll figure out the best one. So, and then we went with one that was kind of like a spinning donut in two and a half D space of props behind a train. And it was a whole complicated thing, but it worked. And so it's, it's being willing to look forward and see where will this problem be? Okay. We have to figure this out. Everyone, what's your idea? <laughs> how would you how would you do this? How would you do that? And you know, then being willing to go, well, my idea wasn't the best, but we could take pieces of mine and put it into that one or you know that sort of thing. It's it's really being collaborative, just like you're talking about, being collaborative, being willing to see other people's strengths and weaknesses, and going, let's lean into the strengths and and figure out a way forward through that. Because animation is very collaborative. You can do it all your own, but it probably won't be as good as as it would be if you all work together. So yeah, that's a kind of a rambling That's answer, awesome. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, I do think that you are right. Again, Chad, being flexible is an incredible skill. I think that every cinematographer needs to have, but not just cinematographers, we all have to have it if we're gonna work in production. Uh, I hate to always be co- quoting Ken Burns, but you know, in that same masterclass, he basically said, uh, as a filmmaker, you are there to solve a million problems nothing, nothing ever goes like you expect it to go in any production ever in the history of the world. And so you have to be willing to solve the problems in order to complete your project. And that means a lot of flexible thinking and out of the box thinking and collaborative thinking, Jason, just like you said. So uh, those are awesome. Chad, thank you so much for bringing uh, your wealth of of experience here letting us know about these top five things that every cinematographer needs to bring to the job. So thank you for that.
2: Thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd, any I'd love last to hear, ideas? Um, I any just, last would, ideas? I'd love or... to hear any, any, um, any immediate resources that someone listening to this could go to and quickly uh, pick up to to be better. I know I, I have a list on my end. Feel free to, to jump in and add some. But um, yeah, for you one, go first. Subscribe to the podcast. That's yeah. an easy one. <laughs> Happy to help. Um, also, Roger Deakins has a has a forum you can go online and you can learn from the goat. Like he will reply to your questions. He's replied to other people's questions. Go and learn the ASC, the American cinematographer. They have a manual, they have a, um, a magazine that you could go to. And then in terms of some of these things we've been talking about with flexibility and, um, managing humans and all that, that type of thing. There's a book from, I think it's like the thirties called how to win friends and influence people. Dale Is that from the thirties? Wow. I think it's like oh, wow. 36. Um, <laughs> wow. I could be wrong there. So you're going to get a comment from someone that's like, nope, that was from 52. But mm-hmm. uh, how to win friends and influence people, any of those manager, manager books, um, managerial books. Um, those are really great resources to start at, to, to learn how to be um, better, a better manager. So That's that's, those are mine. If you guys have any, I
1: don't know. Jason. Yeah, I mean, I think I I just recently took a class with um, a guy. Oh, shoot. His name's escaping me as like six months ago, I took this class. Um, He was a writer on um, The Office. And part of what he talked about in that uh, class was anything can be a resource if you know how to use it. And so part of what he really hammered home was becoming autodidactic, breaking things down without even really working to break things down, just understanding things. And so like you want to learn cinematography, like go watch a show, pause it and figure out, okay, how are they lighting this? Why is that person lit that way? What is that conveying to me? What is it conveying to the audience? And, you know, I think that is really one of those things that I I kind of already did that, but to hear someone say it, just like become autodidactic, work on becoming the person who analyzes Everything when you can, and um, yeah, I think that's that would be my biggest piece of advice. Is now one particular thing, but just watch and absorb everything, which will actually tie into my documentary Deja Vu a little bit. So,
0: <laughs> uh, excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you uh, gave us a little hint into that, and uh, we will put in the show notes the name of the guy who you forgot because we'll give you time to Brent, figure that out.
1: Brent Forrester, I found it. Brent
0: Forrester, <laughs> great, great, awesome. Okay, uh that's beautiful. Thank you guys for those practical tips about what cinematographers can do and look to for resources. Uh also Chad, do you think people do you have a website where people can reach you if they have any questions?
2: Yeah, if you go to chadgilchrist.com, g i l c h r i s t.com, you can get a hold of me there. My emails on there, my phone number is on there. Um you know, like, like I've said before, it took me two years to get a hold of Christian. I'm, I'm a patient person and I am happy to help (laughs) and to answer people. And, um, and if I can't help you directly, I love being able to send you along to a path of people that, that can. So feel free to reach out to myself, reach out to Christian, reach out to Jason. These are all people that are valuable resources and the answer is no, unless you ask. So go ask us. That's true.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that if people want to hire you for your amazing eye and your great skills, they can reach you there as well, right?
2: They can, absolutely.
0: Yeah, great. So before we get into DocuView deja Vu, I just want to take a little commercial break and let you know ways that you can uh, support and follow us along on the journey. Like Chad said, just subscribe to this podcast so it automatically comes to you. The next thing you can do is support us on Patreon. We have a goal of trying to get fifty new subscribers, or supporters in Patreon this year. That. Really, just booze our spirits or bows our spirits or whatever that stupid word is uh it it really uh lifts us up because um you know, when people say, we believe in you and we want to support what you're doing, um, that's almost as much as the money they give us to do the work. So come support us on Patreon because you get behind-the-scenes stuff that nobody else gets. Plus, you can join us on our creative journey. Oftentimes, we put things in our uh, Patreon behind-the-wall thing saying, what do you think about this? And give us your feedback. And, hey, here's a little special thing that nobody else can see. So uh, join us on Patreon. You can find us patreon.com slash first please consider making a donation. We uh, have a fiscal sponsor, Living Stories, and you can find that on our website. Every little bit helps. You can follow us on social media. We're doing lots of really cool things right now. We're making little micro docs and putting up stories of service. And we're just, uh, I think we're killing it on the giving new people content to read. So go follow us. Uh, you can find all of those special links at documentaryfirst.com. And then sign up for our newsletter. And you also get some uh, some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff in our newsletters as well. It's only once a month, so it's not going to kill your, you know, email box. All right. So that's our commercial break. It is now over. And now it is time for DocuView Deja Vu.
1: Deja all right,
0: Chad, you're up. What's your first film? Uh, I'm going to need...
2: Help from from either of you about how to pronounce this, but knee, Navalny? Navelny? It's it okay. Spelled? It's nominated for an Oscar.
0: <laughs> I have it's... no clue. I hadn't okay, all right well I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say until you said this is what my documentary deja vu is. <laughs>
2: uh, I should have picked one I could pronounce, but here I am on a podcast. Um, no, it's it's N A V A L N Y. And it is on um, on HBO Max, I believe. And it's it's about a politician in Russia that is uh, trying to become the president. And um, you know, real time things unfold. There was an attempt against his life, an assassination attempt, which was all pretty public in the media. But um, they had cameras following them around during all of this, so you kind of get the inside look of of everything. And it is fascinating, super well done. Easy watch. It is in English and Russian, so if uh, if you're a subtitle person, it's uh, it's good. If you're not, maybe don't watch it at night or you'll fall asleep. But it's a fantastic <laughs> movie, and it really is. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. So that's my my docu deja vu. How do you pronounce it? I Googled <laughs> that's right. It,
0: you got it.
1: Navalny.
0: Navalny.
2: Thank you.
1: Learn like something to... every day. Google pronunciation. That's the American pronunciation. I wish there was a Russian pronunciation because that would be really fun. <laughs> well, do you want me to All go right, next, Jason.
0: Yes, I want you to go next.
1: Okay, so mine is a YouTube video. It's actually a two-part YouTube video. It's two hours total. Um, and it's about a video game I've never played. <laughs> it's um, Halo <laughs> 4 is worse than you remember. Now, I didn't start playing the Halo games until, like, just a couple years ago. I I finally... They brought them to the PC, and I started playing them there. And I never actually played Halo 4, but this guy did a two-hour deep dive into why Halo 4 didn't work. And he goes into color choices. He goes into character choices. He goes into the writing. He goes into the gameplay. He goes into enemies and how they work or they don't work and that sort of thing. And so... It's a really interesting thing because I don't know what you would call this thing. It's not necessarily a review. It's not really necessarily a documentary, but it's someone talking for two hours about breaking down why something has generally not been well-liked by fans. And he goes into character design, armor design. He compares it to all the other video games that have come before it and after it. And it is just fascinating. If you like anything to do with media because it it dives into story. It dives into the design. It dives into color. It dives into character. It dives into pretty much everything, even down to like dialogue choices and that sort of thing. So it's, it's a weird watch. If you've never played the games, there's a lot of history and stuff that you probably wouldn't necessarily understand, but I think there's value in even just skipping to, you know, why, why don't the designs work? Why don't the silhouettes of the characters work? Why do you not understand who you're fighting, why you're fighting them, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, definitely worth at least at least a, a look if, if you're interested at all in video games or, or sci-fi type stuff. Um, it's pretty interesting.
0: I love that. I love how you bring out-of-the-box stuff, Jason. That's awesome. All right, so my uh, DocuView Deja Vu is World War II in Color. It is a 13-episode mm. British television docu-series, and it recounts all the major events in World War II, Uh, Now, it's older. It was first broadcast in 2008, 2009. Uh, This series is in full color, but it combines original and colorized footage. They talk about the Western Front, Eastern Front, North Africa, Pacific War. Uh, It's, you know, it's just amazing. And it's funny, I was watching it as i was in bed the other night about to go to sleep and i started falling asleep and i was like wait a second the whole unique thing about this documentary is that you have to look at it so i (laughs) turned it off and i was like i need to watch this when i'm more awake because it is fascinating uh you know you've seen these black and white images for such a long time about world war ii and i always have imagined like what it would be like in color but It really adds a whole new level when you're watching stuff you've already seen but in color so um it's definitely heavy on the history um if you don't like history or you're not into uh world war ii this may not be the one for you but uh i thought it was fascinating
1: which if that's the case i'm not sure how you're listening to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of what we talk about i mean we also talk about the filmmaking but that is (laughs) yeah just good,
0: good point. A good point. That's good point. Before we go, Jason, I just want to tell one exciting thing. So, look at this!
1: The Girl Who Wore Freedom on DVD? India, yes. Where can I buy
0: this? You can buy this <laughs> at worefreedom.com or you can go to Documentary First. There's a link there, too. This is our first, like, official manufactured DVD. It's in a clear box. It's got lots of really cool designs. We redesigned our poster uh, for the front of the DVD. And thanks to Mindy Cook, she did all this design and layout. She's phenomenal. If you need a graphic artist or a DP, she herself is, uh, is an excellent person to hire. And uh, it even is shrink-wrapped and it has like a UPC code. Like, we're all legit now. And if you know anybody <laughs> that doesn't have uh, you know streaming and they still are using DVD... This is uh the DVD to get. I highly recommend it. Um yeah, oh. so there's that and also Chad, I was going to ask you, do you think that you would be willing to do a little extra episode for our Patreon subscribers? We'll like stick around. Yeah, of course. You can tell us I know what you could tell us. You could tell us a really cool story from one of your big jobs, you know, like big like Netflix or Disney jobs, um, a story that happened, somebody that you met, something unexpected, uh, and we will share that with our Patreon supporters. Yeah, of course, happy to. Awesome. All right, Jason, take us home.
1: All right. So just a quick wrap up on the five top things we talked about with Chad today were develop a strong network, hone your technical skills, build a strong portfolio, learn how to communicate effectively and be flexible and adaptable. And with that, we're closing out the episode. Thank you for listening to Documentary First, an inside look at a uh, documentary filmmaker's journey where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you could be the one to tell it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> were you doing that for memory jason
1: i was and i think um also my computer seemed to have freeze up for a second there so i was kind of waiting because you guys both froze the exact same time i was like wait
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like somebody that has to edit this episode yeah it might yeah, be nicely edited. <laughs> wow. all right well bye everybody the documentary first podcast is a production of documentary first productions Help us create more educational and inspiring filmmaking content and share more stories of service by supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash documentary first. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can discover our awesome entertainment industry content as well as our moving historical stories and possibly learn some new things along the way. Bye, everybody.